podcast is super awesome and you are going to want to stay tuned. And I also want to remind you before we get into it, if you don't already hit that follow button, the Rodeo Kids leadership team has had some awesome podcasts lined up that they are working on with professionals in the industry, with the youth sharing with other youth things um, that they've seen and experienced in their own words so that we can all grow, we can all gain, and we can all move in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. And the beautiful thing about the rodeo world and this sport and all of the events that we get to be a part of is that we don't compete against each other. We compete against ourselves and we cheer for each other instead to continue growing, to continue getting better. And we're only as good as our competition. So um, these podcasts and everything about Rodeo Kids is helping us all become better people so that we can all reach higher levels and we can all continue to elevate each other and love God and just experience this world by impacting others and just making a difference through the vessel that we get to call Rodeo. So now let's get started with this week's Rodeo Kids podcast with Zach Rhodes. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Thinking of, you know, some of the things that we've talked about on the Rodeo Kids Ambassador and Leadership Team and just things, conversations that I've had with other people and stuff. And I was trying to think who would be a good guest for our team and for everybody. And I just thought, gosh, like, some of the stuff Zach posted lately, I just thought, man, I think it really lines up. And I think um, his message is just something that is really important uh, for everybody to hear. But I think for him to share it with the youth, especially right now, because you guys get to make a change. You guys get to make a difference and you guys get to take what you learn and apply it. Um, you guys are still moldable and you're still figuring out who you are and all of that. And so um, I just wanted to I wanted you guys to be able to hear what he had to say. So I am going to turn this over to Zach and let him uh, let him roll on with it. All right. So I guess I'll uh, just go ahead and start by introducing myself. Um, uh, Zach Rhodes, obviously. Um, I uh, uh, rope calves professionally. Uh, I'm a horse dentist as well. And um, uh, I've been around horses and rodeoed pretty much uh, all of my life since I was like nine or 10 years old. Um, with rodeo and kind of everything I've been through in life, I started um, writing and I started a blog called The Unbroken. And um, The Unbroken, if you guys haven't had a chance to look it up, is um, basically kind of shares my life story and things that I've learned, um, things that I've gone through and kind of how I've dealt with it. Um and how I've overcome certain adversity and different obstacles and through the unbroken, um, really through writing and kind of like looking at this stuff from like a bird's eye view, writing has actually helped me grow and heal in, uh, probably more than, um, like keeping it in, just going through the process. I think the writing part of it and looking at it from that aspect has helped me grow and learn more than actually going through what I went through. And through the unbroken, I've kind of, my hope is that people can read it and learn and go from it, grow from it as well. And kind of see that, Hey, you know, we're not, a lot of the times we're like, especially with social media, I feel like social media is terrible right now because it, it projects like a perfect picture for everybody to see. And everybody looks at it and they're like, man, I wish I had that guy's life or I wish I had this or I wish I had that. And by sharing and being vulnerable, I found out that there's been more people that have related to my story and what I've gone through than what you would actually believe. So there's strength in sharing and, um hopefully you know whatever we kind of go over today whatever questions you guys have and everything i hope that it kind of helps shed some light on maybe some issues that you guys are going through and 
and allows you to maybe start the healing process or uh, start growing through it. So. Yeah, I love that. I think, um, you know, you talk about writing and how powerful that is. And, and I totally agree. I write pretty much every day and that can be a total game changer and being vulnerable at the end of the day, we're all human. At the end of the day, we all live on earth and we all have struggles and things that we go through um, different levels, but everybody still has a struggle like and, and it's not for us to judge whose struggle is more or less just because of what we think or what we went through. And so I really love that. And that sharing, sharing is such an important thing in humanity. And I think as you talk about um you know, social media and how we see these highlight reels, we start to like shrink back and think that we're less for having struggles, but that's not true at all. Usually the things that I even relate to on social media are the things that are the people that are being vulnerable because I'm like, oh, I get that. Like that makes sense. I don't really want to see perfect all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and part of going through this whole journey writing and everything, just like you were saying, I think, um, you know, I have a lot of people that message me and they're like, Oh, thank you for sharing. Thanks for being vulnerable and, um, how much it's helped them. But I don't think they realize how much they help me by reaching out and sharing their story too, because it's like, like you said, it's easy. It's really easy to get tunnel vision especially with social media nowadays and just how everything is projected as perfect. It's really easy to get tunnel vision and you get, you know, I've suffered with feelings of not feeling adequate. Um, you know, like I was damaged goods. Um, uh, like I had flaws that were that other people didn't have. And then when you have other people reach out to you that are like, Hey, thanks for, thanks for sharing your story and being vulnerable. Like it helps me to see too that there are other people that have gone through the same issues. It's not just it's not just me that struggles with it. There's so much more than meets the eye when it comes to uh, kind of this like perfect uh, picture, perfect life that everybody projects on social media nowadays, which is such a big part of our life, and we see it right on our we have our phones all the time. So it's really easy just to get on your phone and go scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and, you know, everybody's posting their good rodeo runs and all the wins and everything else, but you don't see everything that went into that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you kind of start at the beginning and just share some of your story, like how you even got involved in rodeo and whatnot and how you've progressed to where you are today? Cause I know it's been kind of a wild ride for you. Yeah. So um, I started rodeo when I was like, Oh, probably eight or nine years old. Um, my mom grew up rodeoing, but um, she kind of got out of it as she got a little bit older, like out of high school. Um, and then she had gotten married really young. And that was my that was her first marriage, which was my father. Um, and they were divorced by the time I was six months old. So we didn't have any horses again until I was like eight or nine. Um, we started to get back into it. And um, that's kind of when I started watching the nfr and stuff like that and that's when i realized i was like i want to be a professional calf roper i want to make the nfr um and kind of go down that road and um uh, i started kind of my journey going roping and roping with different guys here and there and um i team roped a bunch growing up um was pretty successful at it um and then in high school when i was finally to the point where i could start calf roping um it was the start of my freshman year uh, I bought all the stuff to calf rope and my stepdad literally in the DBRM western store told me to put everything back because I wasn't allowed to calf rope yet and I was so devastated because um growing up I was always like kind of the skinny guy like kind of kind of the runt in a way um brawny a little bit weaker and uh but, but definitely did not hinder my can-do attitude I pretty much figured I could do anything I wanted to if I put my mind to it but um that was really hard for me to have him sit there and especially um he was more of a father to me than my real father was so to have somebody that I looked up to so much tell me you can't calf rope like 
I'm not going to lie. I hate the strong word, but I hated him for it. Like I was so mad at him that he would not let me buy a neck rope and jerk line and calf rope at the Douglas County junior rodeo. But when I look back on it, uh, in reality, like in, you'll see this in my blog too. Um, like that, that, that was nothing more than just kind of a building block for me to kind of like, that was God's way of preparing me for the next step in life when it came to calf roping. So, uh, unfortunately I didn't get a calf rope my freshman year. Um, I was really mad about it and sour about it for a lot of years until I finally looked back on it. And I was like, you know what? Uh, my stepdad was right. And cause when I started calf rope my sophomore year, there I struggled flanking calves and there was a lot of times where I sat out in the arena and I tried nosing them and flanking them until I was blue in the face and the time would run out and I just couldn't do it so um him saying no led to me wrestling and gaining about 20 pounds um I still needed to gain another 20 pounds after that because I only weighed 100 pounds but um it was just kind of one of those building blocks that that kind of um set everything in motion and um through kind of this rodeo and team roping and everything one thing i've always struggled with is the mental aspect of it and um like i said before that kind of like you see this picture perfect deal that everybody's putting out you see everybody winning stuff like that and him telling me no and then my stepbrother making fun of me for being small, my friends making fun of me for being small. I always had like this, like I wasn't good enough. Um, like I had to prove something and it carried over into my team roping and everything. I can't tell you how many times I choked to win saddles, buckles, trailers, trucks, whatever, because that little voice would come nagging in there saying, Hey, you're not good enough. You don't belong here. Um, and it kind of carried through, Sadly, like I look back at it because I'm 34 now and there's a lot of uh, things I missed out on because I allowed that that kind of nagging voice in the back of my head to control my performances. Um, like I'd have breakout performances and everything would be great, but then all of a sudden I'd start struggling with it because that little voice would creep inside. And believe it or not, I've struggled with that voice clear up until – probably last year um when i made it to the uh, progressive round at the red bluff roundup and uh for those of you that don't know at red bluff uh you get two calves and if you make it into the top 24 you get a third calf and then if you make it into the top 12 you get a short go calf so um i struggled all day the day before I roped that third calf of thinking, I was like, oh, it's just a fluke. I don't belong here. Like, there's no reason. Like, I didn't, I got in by accident. It was pure luck, whatever. Um, and I would say that that day for me and my career of rodeo was kind of a pivotal, a pivotal, is it a pivotal turning point um, in kind of starting the process of believing in myself. And, um, Unfortunately, my horse ended up getting hurt after that, and we were out most of last summer, and then I got to start back up again at the Pendleton Roundup, uh, which was a dream come true and pretty cool to be able to compete in. Um, and then I started back up again this year, and uh, in the process of going, um, as I told you guys before, like I, I love doing equine dentistry. That's kind of been my career for the last 12, 13 years, but uh, what I've discovered this year um, is truly learning to love myself for who I am. Like for the first time in 34 years, I actually love myself for who I am. I can forgive myself for, for all my flaws, everything that's happened. Um, and I can honestly say this has been the greatest year of rodeo of my entire life. And um, kind of the turning point for that was at Reading this year. And believe it or not, I've gone 30 plus years without ever tying a calf under 10 seconds. I've done it plenty of times at home, but I never could get it done at a rodeo. Um, and I had tied one at Springville in 9.5, but I broke out. But then at Reading, 
uh, on my second go calf, I was eight, seven and it's the fastest time I ever tied it was on the cowboy channel. My family got to watch and everything. Unfortunately, the calf did get up cause I one wrapped it, but I was so happy because for somebody who like for so long, I tried to control the outcome of everything. And I was so worried about what everybody thought around me that I would try and control every aspect of the run. So whether it was pushing the barrier or making sure the calf stayed tied, like I would safety up and, you know, five years ago, that eight, seven probably would have been an 11 flat because I would have fumbled around on the ground and then I would have two wrapped it and I wouldn't have taken any chances. So that from that point on, I realized that the dream I had when I was 11 years old, 10 years old of wanting to make the national finals and be a tie down roper, like that, that dream was still very possible for me. And, um, I have since decided that I'm going to slow down on dentistry and rodeo more next year because we only get one life and whatever it is that drives you or your passion or that you're, you're so in love with, this is what I figured out. Like I love calf roping so much. I enjoy it so much. It makes me feel so alive that that's how I finally discovered that I truly love myself because I am doing something for me. I'm not, and I'm to the point now to where I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care about when I back in the box, it's just me and my horse. That's it. And I've relinquished all control to God, whatever, if I draw a good calf and I get to use it and I place great, but through this whole journey and this process this year of finally getting to that point of loving myself, like I'm at a point where I can go make some money and go down the road and rope calves and be perfectly content and happy. I don't need anybody else's approval or anything like that. And it's truly uh, like a, I can't even begin to explain the feeling behind it. But when you can finally get to that point in your life where you're not worried about social media likes or what other people are doing around you, and you can just go do what you truly love, you can truly start to begin to feel that that feeling of like self love and being self fulfilled. So that's kind of where I'm at in my journey with with roping. Um, my goal was to make the circuit finals this year. And something I'd like to kind of share with you guys that um, is pretty cool. Um, I had two barriers this year that cost me making the circuit finals, unfortunately. Um, and everything was kind of down to this weekend. I had three rodeos. Um, the weekend before, uh, I tried to be way too aggressive and I missed both my calves. And it was super devastating because they were good opportunities to win money and move up in the standings. And the old me, I would have let both of those misses eat at me all week long until I got to the next rodeo because I would I would be so worried about what everybody else thought, like, oh, he can't rope, he's no good, whatever. And then I'd say it to myself and I'd just let it build up all week long. And then I'd go into the next weekend and it would fall apart again. I did it, I did it my senior year of high school rodeo and I got into the top three. And then at the beginning of the year, everything started to fall apart. I didn't even make a top 15 short go my entire high school career because I would just let everything fall apart. So the win for this last weekend, I came up, I think I was $1,700 short of making the circuit finals, which is heartbreaking because I went to 40 something rodeos this year, spent a lot of money on diesel fuel, a lot of money in entry fees. But the cool part, I was telling my mom, I, I wrote my last calf Sunday or Saturday at Sonoma and I ended up winning a check there. But the coolest part was I was able to back into the box and I was able to clear everything out of my head and just go have fun. I literally told myself, I said, whatever happens, whether you make the circuit finals or you don't go have fun, let God take control of everything. If it's meant to be, it'll be, I'll draw the good calves I'll get them tied fast and I'll, I'll get checks where I need them. But the coolest part for me was being able to back in at every single rodeo. I roped every single calf. My horse worked outstanding. I set up good runs for the first time in my life. I was setting up good runs. Yeah. I made some mistakes on the ground, but I think the coolest moment for me was Friday night when I roped a calf 
on Cowboy Channel in front of everybody in the whole world. I was so nervous before, and I was able to clear all that out of my head, and I made the best run I possibly could. And my horse worked good, and then I did the same thing again Saturday. Last rodeo of the season, all the pressure was on the line. I was going to have to win it or try to win it. Unfortunately, I did not draw the calf to win it, but you know what? I went out there. I did my job. I roped it. I got it tied. And as soon as I tied it, I knew I did everything that I could to try and make the circuit finals. And if I hadn't made it, I was perfectly happy with where I was at because for the first time in my life, I didn't worry about what everybody else was doing around me or what I needed to do. I worried about the job that I had in front of me and that's it. So this year has been a, a really cool year for me as far as rodeo goes because I can honestly say that I've I've come to a point of of peace and being able to uh, overcome the mental aspect of it. How like what are some things like clearly riding you said in the beginning has been a huge a huge thing for you to help you identify things from your past that were holding you back and things like that. But what are some other things that have just kind of set you free? I would say um, the biggest thing, because my, I, I have a terrible addiction to my phone. I'll admit, I still am addicted to my phone and my social media. It's terrible. Um, but I would say the biggest thing that's helped me because um, and I'm going to tell you guys all this because I all the kids I help out here at the house, they're always going from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship. If you can, don't worry about any other guys and girls. Don't You don't need to be in a relationship. I've been single for four years now, and it's been the best four years of my entire life because I've actually been able to focus on myself. So, And part of that's been trying to, like, have discipline and not get on my phone and do social media and stuff like that. But figuring out like what I love, like my purpose, and then creating goals around that purpose and then going after that. So, you know, this year it's been all surrounding rodeo and calf roping and I've set some goals for myself and I've surpassed some of those goals. Like, um, uh, I won, I've never won, uh, jackpot tie down roping or a rodeo ever in my entire life and I won one this year it was the first rodeo I ever won in my entire life wow. so um, and that was pretty cool for me to be able to do that and it was probably one of the best runs I've ever made but um, I think part of uh, just outside of riding I would say is finding my purpose and then putting all my soul focus in that because it seems like if I've had something like whether it's dating or if I've had a girlfriend or whatever, like I, I had, I've had a tendency to put myself on the back burner. So, mm-hmm. so learning, hard. yeah. So learning to put myself first and kind of like, Hey, you know, what's going to make me happy? Well, roping makes me happy. So what do I have to do to further my goals and roping? Well, I need to rope every day. I need to tie every day. I need to lift weights. I need to do this. I need to do that. Well, kind of putting that stuff first ahead of, yeah, I'd like to have a relationship one day, but if that person doesn't fit into that, then I don't, if they don't check certain boxes, then I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And that has really helped to be able to, I've finally gotten to a point where I've actually told several girls that, that I have dated where I'm like, Hey, this isn't going to work for me. Like, I like you, you have a lot of great qualities, but here's where I'm at in my life. This is what I want. And our paths are not on the same trajectory. So being able to say, I think we're better off friends has been a huge help too. Cause then I can just put all that. So focus. And it sounds selfish saying put soul focus into myself, but really it's not that selfish because a lot of us were like people pleasers. I know I am. And I have a tendency to bend over backwards for people. So I don't take a whole lot of time for myself. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to help other people and do things for other people. So for the first time in my life, I'm finally putting myself first and um, it's an incredible feeling and it allows me to kind of put more focus into roping calves and chasing those dreams and, and 
checking goals off the list. So, yeah. What are some mental things that you had to go through? Like, you, all right, let me rephrase this. Um, you said, put myself on the back burner. Can you mm -hmm. explain what you mean by putting yourself on the back burner? So, uh, we'll just prime example. Um, well, I'll just use the last relationship that I was in four years ago. Um, she had nothing to do with rodeo. Uh, she rode horses a little bit. Um, and I met her through, uh, CrossFit and, um, I essentially, because of my upbringing and kind of some of the things that I went through, I kind of put her up on a pedestal and I don't really want to say like I worship, I worship the ground that she walked on basically. We'll just, that's probably the best way I can put it. So if she, you know, was like, Hey, can you come over and do this or do that or whatever? Like I would go out of my way to go spend time with her or to go do things with her. And through the process, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I can rope later or I can ride later. So I didn't ride my horses very much. I didn't rope very much. Um, and then I was kind of like to the point where I was like, well, uh, you know, I'll rope again, eventually one day, maybe I'll just focus on CrossFit and try and do the CrossFit games and the masters and stuff like that. And so I let all these other things kind of fulfill, um, the void within me, which that void needed to be fulfilled by doing things for myself, but I fulfilled it by basically essentially serving her and mm -hmm. through the process, um, because I've done it with my dad who, you know, he walked out on me when I was six months old and um, was in and out of my life. And people that I've loved, I've had a tendency to, even if they kind of walk all over me like a doormat, like I just kind of would bend over backwards for him. And, and because I was so desperate to be loved by him or to have that feeling of love, I would just go out of my way to do whatever for him. Just like my ex-girlfriend, like driving over to her place. Like there'd be days where she'd be like, Hey, can you come over and do this? And I, in the back of my mind, I'm going, no, I need to ride my horses. I need to rope. I need to do this. But I'd be like, yeah, I'll be right over. And I'd put mm -hmm. everything on the back burner. Cause I was so worried about losing her love over things that I had to do for myself. And I think that's been the coolest part of, of like actually loving myself as I realized that I can fulfill that, kind of the cup I have inside me, the cup of love, I can fulfill that cup by doing things that I enjoy and not having to seek it from outside, like outside validation from other people or sources like Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, you know, as you're saying this, like, yes, definitely relationships with people can do this. And like the word prioritize comes to mind. Um, what we prioritize and it's really easy to let ourselves like not make our goals our priority um, like whether it's a girl or it's social media or it's a boy or or whoever it is or whatever it is um what we prioritize is what we focus on and what we focus on is what we get and if we're with a person that god has aligned for us then love isn't transactional like love is a thing and it's something that um they have for you and if if your priority is to um rodeo and to do that kind of thing and to fill your personal goals then then the person that's meant for you or the the people who are meant to be in your circle even if it's not just a relationship but your friendships and your families um they're going to support that and they're going to let you be you and let you do the things that you need to do and support you in doing those versus taking you away from that if it's true love Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think that's been the coolest part of kind of going through this whole journey and uh, putting my focus on, you know, something that I dreamt of so long ago is that um, I've had people come and go in my life that it, it almost becomes like easier to let go of, of the ones that don't serve you in your higher purpose. So you don't like cling on to them and you're like, no, 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 don't leave. Don't leave. It, it becomes easier to like, let those people in and you know, you might have a great connection or whatever. You might make a good friendship, whatever. And then it's like, Hey, 
I mean, I've had several conversations with people like, hey, this is not going to work for me. I think you're great. Say hi every now and then, whatever. And it's it's easy to just let go. And then somebody else walks in and it's like, okay, I like this, 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 and this about this person. And, and, but they don't check these off for me. So thanks, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you have that conversation with them, like, sorry, it's just not going to work out for me, but it becomes easier to let people into your life and to let them go instead of just trying to cling on to everything. Right. And I think it's just, you know, there's a season for everyone and for everything. And um, there are people who are there for the longevity of life. And there are people who are come and go. And some you flow in and out easily. And some are, you know, logs that stick along the route the whole way. And you have to find a way to dissolve the log or sink it or something so you can keep flowing. Um, But I think once you get to that, I know, I know there are times in my life and, you know, still today because we're human and and we're always in and out of relationships with so many people. Um, It can be tricky to not get stuck on certain aspects of things and and not keep an open mind and let it flow. Uh, But I think in life there is a flow. And once you create that flow, and I think that flow does come from things like accepting yourself. And once you know who you are and you're, and you love yourself for who you are, you can accept people for who they are too. And you can accept that they're not the person for you right now and that they're not the friend that they used to be. And that's okay because it's just a part of evolving and changing and growing and learning and, and just going different directions in life. And that's totally okay. Absolutely. I was going to say the kind of the same thing is that as I've gotten uh, kind of gone through this process, it's gotten easier. You can start to tell the people that are there for your kind of your higher good and the ones that are there to just drain your energy. And it becomes really easy to just be like, nope, I'm not like, I'm cutting it off right here because you're draining my energy. I, you know, it's not, this is not good for me and my high vibrational energy or whatever you're trying to do. And you can kind of cut those people out and, and I don't get rid of them or whatever, set boundaries with them, whatever it is that you need to do. It becomes really easy to recognize that. And, and you, in a way I've actually had to tell some friends this, cause I have some friends that call me for relationship advice and stuff that they're going through, whether it's marriage or, um, uh, co-parenting or whatever. And one thing that I've figured out this year is like, you have to be your own hero. Like nobody is going to come save you. Nobody's going to come throw the life raft for you when you're drowning. Like you have to, you have to be your own hero. So you have to stick up for yourself and set boundaries for yourself. And uh, uh, when you kind of get to that place where I'm at right now, where you recognize your flaws and you can accept them and then you can see it in other people and accept them for who they are, then it becomes easier to set those boundaries and, and start standing up for yourself to the people that want to just drain your energy or, or leech from you. Yeah. I want to go back to one of the things that you said in the beginning, when you were talking about your relationship, like with your dad and calf roping and how, or your stepdad and how he wouldn't let you get the calf rope and, and all the stuff to, to become a calf roper your freshman year. And then later in life, you realize that, actually he was right how did it feel to accept that and like to realize that uh it was freeing because for the longest time you know i we don't realize it but when people say hurtful things or you know one thing that i kind of figured out from it is a lot of the times if somebody says something to you that hurts is number one it's probably either partially true um or we have some sort of insecurity around it. So obviously, deep down inside, I knew I was pretty small. I mean, and looking, being able to look back on it, I was like, holy cow, I was just a little guy, just a little buddy. So, um, I mean, I weighed 80 pounds soaking wet. And when I was able to kind of finally write that blog and look back at it, like the, in a way, I wanted to be able to go back and t- thank my stepdad for saying no, you know, 
like you need to get stronger, get bigger. Like he was actually looking out for me though. Some of the things that he said to me was hurtful. And some of the things that other people said to me was hurtful. They hurt because it was surrounded around my own insecurities. So I almost kind of had to take like a, an inner look at like, okay, why, why does it, when somebody says you're too small to calf rope, why does it bother me? Well, partially because I'm too, I, I was skinny. I, I needed to gain some weight and, um, what I figured out in, you know, in your journey, wherever you're at in it is a lot of circumstances and things that happen to you. They're not, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. So, you know, all the people, my stepdad, that whole deal was like a catalyst to me. I, you know, I gained 20 pounds wrestling. Um, and then I went on through high school and kind of being able to revisit what he said to me, I was able to like, I carried around all this baggage for so many years from, from not just him, but from like my stepbrother and all of his friends saying, you're too skinny, you're too small. I mean, I even had people that said it when I was 25, 26, 27 years old, when I first started roping calves professionally, and they would be like, oh, you know, you're way too small to calf rope. Like, why don't you just team rope? You're a better team rope, team roper. And I didn't realize it, but you let all those words like fill a little imaginary backpack and you just sit there and pack it around, pack it around. Eventually your back gets more and more tired. And every time I back in the box, I have all that weight on my back because I'm just packing all those words around and being able to realize that, you know, some of it was their own insecurities, but some of it was also my own insecurities and then being able to correct that later on through you know like taking a four-year break from calf roping and crossfitting and gaining another 20 30 pounds um all that stuff that had happened was just to help me in my journey get to where i am now and uh there's actually a picture up on the wall up here from reading that uh it's a really cool picture but the calf weighs about 300 pounds and uh, it was when I first started pro rodeo and, and um, I sat in the middle of the arena and tried to flank that calf until the 25 second whistle blew. And uh, looking back on that, that was 2015. So we're 2023 now. So there was a four year period in there where I quit calf roping just to CrossFit and gain muscle and weight. Like um, I wish I could go back to that Zach and be like, Hey, you can follow your dreams of being a calf roper, but you need to gain some weight and you need to get stronger. And it's not because I'm trying to be mean to you because I want to see you succeed. So looking back, my stepdad was probably just wanting to see me succeed more than anything. As much as it hurt me, some of it was, like I said, some of it was my own insecurities, but a lot of it was him wanting to see me succeed and not go out there and flounder around and get completely discouraged. Yeah. I think one of the things too, like that I've learned more as an adult and the relationship that I have with my mom and my dad is really good. And my mom and I have been able to like, just discover a lot of things together about our relationship and stuff. And um, people have really good intentions, but I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on our parents to be perfect. We put a lot of pressure on them to say the right things at the right times in the right way so that we can understand it perfectly. And they're human too. And they they didn't go to college for this. They, there's no true handbook for how to do things. I mean, yeah, there's, there's better and worse ways for sure. Um, but just like anything in life, when it, in any conversation or relationship or, or thing that you have going on when when our interpretation isn't necessarily their intention. Um, so I think when we do get hurt, you know, I think a lot of the way that people communicate also has a lot to do with their history and how they were raised and how people spoke to them. And a lot of times they just don't really know any better, or even if they do, they don't know how to stop themselves because they haven't done the stuff like Zach's talking about to figure out who they are to figure out how their words actually come off and how to communicate because that's not that's not something that's been in in the books for them. So especially for you guys as you're growing up and your your teenagers and some of you are a little bit younger than that it looks like 
just remember to give your parents and those who are instructing you a little bit of grace. If they love you, they want to see you succeed. The things that they say, the way that they say them, the things that they say doesn't necessarily, what am I trying to say? Like the way that they say it doesn't always come off great, but the intention is usually there to serve you and to help you and to see you succeed uh, because they love you and they care about you, even if it doesn't quite hit that way at the time. So um, the, the sooner that I've learned to have grace for the way that people send messages back or and looking at it from multiple perspectives, well, why did they say it that way? Or what are the five things that they could have meant instead of like, that's the one thing that I picked up on and I'm going to hold on to that because that hurt my feelings and that's that's the thought that I'm going to hold on to. Um, but trying to take a step back and say, okay, the way that came off and the way that I interpreted hurt my feelings, but what did they really mean? And why did they say that? And this is, is this about me? Is this about them? And like Zach said, where's the truth in this? So that will help you a lot. And the sooner you can learn that stuff, the more coachable you will be and the quicker you'll succeed. Like I love that Zach said, you know, if I could go back and tell my younger self, you know, these things, but maybe if he had, and this is, I don't know your whole story, but like maybe if he would have been a little bit more open to that at the time, then he would have seen it from a different perspective and wouldn't have had to take that four year gap, but which that wasn't God's path for him. And he wouldn't be here today sharing this story if it wasn't, but hindsight's 2020 on that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions so far for Zach? Not yet. If anybody does, you can just Callie. What made you want to start your blog? Start my blog. What made um, you want to? Uh, so about, um, I guess it was right at the end of when my last relationship ended, I was like, cause I had put her up on that pedestal. I, when she broke up with me, it like put me at rock bottom and I was completely depressed. Felt like, I mean, I was 30 years old at the time. So I was kind of going through like a little bit of a quarter life crisis as well. Like I was like, Oh man, all my friends are getting married. All this is going on. They're having kids. Like I felt like in a way, <clears throat> that I was a failure and I had a letter um that I had wrote to my dad and my grandma um from some stuff that had happened a couple years prior it was something that a counselor has su suggested and I wrote that letter and then I shared it with my mom um for the first time uh right after that breakup and after she read it, she was uh, in tears, of course, because there was a lot of stuff in there, um, uh, mental and emotional abuse that my my dad and his girlfriends put me through. Um, nothing physical, but just a lot of trauma from his relationships and how they treated me, how he treated me. Um, and I had never told her about any of that stuff in the 30 years of my life and um watching her read it and then talking to me about it like I started to realize that there was some um freedom in sharing what I had to say and I don't even when she asked me she's like why didn't you ever tell me about any of this and I, I honestly I didn't even have an answer for her I was like I I don't know I just never did tell you about it and looking back I think if it was a, a way of maybe you know I was worried about disappointing her making her sad or like she had enough on her plate that she I didn't really feel like she had to deal with what I was going through as well um so after she read that um I went on a solo hunt uh by myself and I decided I was gonna go ahead and journal everything that was kind of going through my mind I didn't have any cell service uh, all I had was a little satellite deal um and I went by myself to go hunt deer hunting in the middle of Nevada. Um, I journaled everything. And then I read through the journal at the end of it. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff in here. And uh, I feel like I need to share it with people. And um, 
I had always kind of wanted to like write a book or share my story and kind of some things, stuff that had gone on and everything. So I thought that that was the perfect way to start it was to start the blog and start it with that very first post um, uh, from my solo hunt. So that's kind of how it got started. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else have any questions so far? Not yet. Um, you talked about like when you back in the box and how you had almost like packed this bag and it was weighing you down every time you backed in the box. And now you've been able to unpack the bag or just even take the backpack off. How did you do that? Who? <laughs> or maybe I should rephrase that. If you were to give advice to somebody who feels like they're backing in the box or coming down the alley or getting in the shoot with the bag on, what are some steps that you would recommend they take to unpack their own bag? Well, I think the biggest thing is number one in it. I think everybody kind of has their own trajectory or path for getting there, but uh, learning to believe in yourself and part of the way that I kind of got to where I could just believe in myself was uh, what I've realized is as competitors, we try to like control everything. And obviously we all want to win first. We all want the buckle. We all want, you know, the money and everything else. But um, somebody actually shared this the other day and it really hit me. It was, uh, why are you mad about losing? It was never yours to lose in the first place. So, um, you know, there's, however many competitors like there's no guarantee that you're winning the buckle or you're winning first i mean it, you know you have to have a good calf your horse has to work good everything has to go in your favor so i would say the the biggest way i got rid of that so-called backpack was kind of taking a look at what my insecurities were which obviously being small stuff like that um working on that aspect of it, getting, uh, lifting more, um, getting stronger and focusing on myself. I realized that I was so worried about, like I would post the biggest thing for me was about looking for outside validation, cutting out the outside validation was huge for me. I felt like I had to post, you know, like a picture of me at whatever rodeo or, um, a video practicing, like I would post something from practicing. It was like the way I identified as a calf roper was if I posted it for everybody to see and I got my outside validation through everybody else. And then when I finally figured out that, you know, at the end of the day, all that matters is what I'm doing and what truly makes me happy. Like I always tell myself kind of before I back in the box, like, Hey, you're running your own race. doesn't matter what everybody else does, like, I pretty much just focus on the score and roping my calf. That's it. Um, and, the, and relinquishing control. Like, it's all – I always say a little bit prayer before I go, and I pray that, you know, I draw a money run calf and that I get something good that I can make a run on and make some money on, but it doesn't always work that way. But you have to do the best you can do on the stock you draw does not matter what anybody else does does not matter what anybody else says you have to relinquish all control of everything the end outcome of that run everything because the very first thing you have to do before that run is even over is actually score sharp so you can't get from point a to point d without doing all the steps in between so kind of coming to terms with the things people had said to me and going, okay, you know what? Maybe some of what they said hurts because I could work on this area, this area, this area. And then I went home and I worked on all those areas. Once I checked all those boxes, I went back in a rope again at the rodeo and I'm like, okay, I made a mistake here and here. What can I work on there? So just focusing on myself and not looking for that outside validation was probably the biggest step for me to to kind of get rid of that weight on my back and learning uh that I can't control every aspect of the run because as soon as I try to control something like if I watch everybody go 
and it's like, oh man, if I'm a nine five, I can win the rodeo. Like when I won that rodeo uh, at Santa Rosa, that would have been a really easy rodeo to pressure up and lose the whole deal because I was one of the last guys to go. I kind of knew what I had to do. And I was so freaking nervous when I backed in the box that my pig and string was shaking in my mouth. And I was like, okay, you just need to calm down. And I literally told myself before I went, like, does not matter what everybody else did. It only matters what I do right now. And I was like, you need to see head around the end of the gate, drive your horse into the pocket, rope sharp, let everything else handle itself. You do it every day in practice. What When you throw your hands up in the air, whatever they say the time is, that's the time. And I ended up winning it. So, and I wasn't trying to win it. I was just trying to go make the best run I could on the calf that I had. So you have to get to a point where you can, you can relinquish, like you, you got to get rid of control. Is Let God have the control. He's in control of everything. So. Yes. Um, so we've just got uh, about 10 minutes left. And one of the things that um, I had on my list asked, it was like, how has God played a role in everything that's happened, like in your relationship with God? So I'm kind of probably a little bit unconventional when it comes to God and religion. I Like I grew up in the church and everything, but um, my connection with God, I felt, has been a little bit like I feel closer to God outside the church. Um, and I feel like... Um, what I've learned is that and I've been able to become grateful for the things that I've gone through because I've been able to relate all the trials and adversity that I've gone through to things that I've faced later on in life. And I'm like, hey, that helped me with this aspect of my life or that helped me with that aspect of my life. So um I'm not super good with Bible verses. Like I read the Bible a little bit here and there. And I have a pastor friend that I talk to now and then. Um, but I just truly feel with the, through my writing and everything, like I feel like my writing gets put into my heart from God. I mean, the words just come to me. I don't even know how to explain it, but I feel like my relationship with God has gotten stronger and stronger because I realized that, you know, it's easy to like look at things and you're like, man, you know, I, I used to look at it and be like, why can't I just win one rodeo? Like, why can I not freaking, you know, does God not love me? And then when I stopped looking at it from that aspect and I was like, hold on a second, God does love me because he did this, this, and this, like whether it was CrossFit or whatever, all the weight that I gained, I can look back on that stuff. And I was like, okay, God was actually preparing me for something greater on greater in life later on down the road. Um, and it's really helped my faith grow, uh, when I can look back and kind of like have that bird's eye view of everything and realize that, like I said before, not everything is happening to you. It's happening for you. So yeah, mm -hmm. sometimes stuff sucks, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like building muscle. It hurts. You get sore and we do the same thing in our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey. And, and through the journey of whatever that's rodeo school, business, whatever it hurts sometimes. And, but it makes you better. You're building up those muscle fibers. So, yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, as you do get older, I think it is easier just because you've had more life experiences to be able to look back and see like, oh, okay, this happened. And now I'm prepared for the next level. I'm prepared for the next thing because it didn't work out how I wanted it to, because mm -hmm. I failed because of whatever I thought God didn't love me for was actually like you said, him preparing. And now I can see, wow, look at the stage that I'm on now and look what I can do with it. Whether you're walking into a new job or a new relationship or um, a new challenge or, or whatever it is, a new horse. Uh, you can just look back and, and see that. And I think that's where faith comes from. And having faith that everything that you're going through is serving you for a reason. And there might be some things that we never understand. There's nothing in the Bible that says you're going to understand everything one day. Like 
we're not, we're not meant to, and we don't, we don't have to. That's the cool thing. When we have faith, we get to let go of relinquishing that control. We get to let go of having to understand why everything's happening all the time and having to micromanage and analyze and all of those things. When we have faith, we can say, okay, um, I did my best here. It didn't work. Uh, I can identify A, B, C, and D, why it didn't work. The other things, I'm not really sure. That's completely out of my control. Like why I didn't draw the calf I drew. Don't know. Out of my control. I'll never understand it. I'll never know. Um, but I don't have to because I learned all of these things. I did the best that I could. And I can see now that, hey, this prepared me for the next run. I'll be better. I know what to go home and work on. Um, the next time it comes, oh, I worked on that because that happened. And now I won the rodeo. You know, and that's that's how life will continue to work when you have that faith and you continue. Um, as we said before on Radio Kids, win or learn, I never lose. Because there's always, it's always serving you. Always, always, always. If you choose to look at it that way. Absolutely. There's always something to be grateful for too. I mean, you can, if you can look that, you will have so much more. You will be so much more richer um, figurative, figuratively speaking, if you can look at, you know, I could look at this last weekend and go, man, I didn't make the circuit finals. I'm gonna be depressed. This sucks. Like hate my life, whatever. But like I said, I can look back at this last weekend and this last year and go, man, I had the best year of calf roping of my entire life. I've figured out the mental part. I had some of my fastest runs, I've learned how to set up my runs. I've learned how to get my horse working right. Like there's so much positive and you will be so much better off when you can look at things that way rather than just the end result or the end outcome that you're looking for. Yes, you bet. Does anybody have any last questions? I had a quick question. I know from an equine dentist side, what is a common mistake you see or something the cowboys don't realize when they come in not getting their horse's teeth done um i would say the biggest mistake is a lot of people wait until their horse has an issue rather than jumping on top of it so uh horses should be done from two years of age every six months up until they die um and at the very least uh not necessarily up until they die and up until you know, you probably can't do anything anymore, but, um, you should at very, at the very least be getting their teeth checked every six months. So I would say the most common mistake is, is people wait way too long and they wait until an issue becomes kind of a little bit harder to manage. I think as you know, that's a great answer to that question. And I think that goes into all of this, you know, that we wait until there's a problem to figure out who we are, to love ourselves. You know, we wait until we've already destroyed ourselves and we feel terrible to, to love ourselves, to even find a way to love ourselves. And so I think all of this stuff that you're saying, you know, I, I think a lot of your message is helping people prevent problems down the road. Um, and by, for you, it's writing for the next person. It might be singing. I mean, I don't know. We all have our own way of doing things. Um, and getting that stuff out there. But I think that's a huge, huge thing just in general. Prevent it before it becomes a problem. Do your homework, have conversations like this, learn from other people and what they do so that you can have that awareness going into it that, hey, I might feel like this one day. I've listened to all of these podcasts of all of these people who have gotten to where I want to go and I can hear their problems and I can say, oh, that could be me one day. How can I prepare for that? What can I do to make sure that I have already worked on my mental game, that my horses are sound, that I'm building a relationship with God, that I'm surrounding myself with the right people. Like that's stuff that's in your control to work on when you know about it. And so doing that research and when you hear those things, making that mental note that, hey, that person has a problem. It could be mine someday. How can I prevent it? You know, and you don't want to get too wrapped up in that, but just kind of the concept of it, like when those light bulbs go off, Pay attention to your light bulbs. Okay. Um, Connor, did you have a question? I know you've been writing stuff down over there. No, I just want to say thank you because I've been going through a lot of the same things. So thank you. Absolutely. And awesome. you're welcome to reach out. I mean, I will we'll probably go out on that at the end here. So I'll let you kind of wrap up what you got going on. But 
Yeah. My, my very last question is just, you know, what's if, if, advice that you have for these guys? You know, they're, we've got teenagers and some, some younger, like what's your advice to them? Um, I think the biggest thing I can tell you guys is, you know, I see it all the time. Um, especially with the kids that come out here and rope with me and everything. It's um, looking for outside validation. And I feel like I bring that up a lot, but I, I think that's probably been the thing that's helped me most of all um, is to stop looking for that outside validation, especially with, you know, we have TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like there's so many different things that can produce like a, you know, when you're unsure, you're not feeling confident or whatever, you can just post a quick picture and you can get a bunch of likes and it just pr produces this quick hit of dopamine and, and all of a sudden you feel validated. So rather than looking for outside things to fulfill kind of your cup of love and that validation turn inside and towards God. And I think you're going to find a lot more fulfillment that way. Um, I think it's Jordan Peterson has a quote and I can't remember it, but it's in regards to happiness and fulfillment. Happiness is short term. It's short lived. Fulfillment is a long term thing. So you guys need to seek, seek long term uh, gratification, not the short term stuff, not the quick hit stuff, because if you work hard and you put in the work and you go for the long term gratification, it's going to produce everlasting fulfillment rather than short term happiness. Yes. And I think I've really had to work on that myself over the last few years, because I, I mean, I've fallen into all the social media traps. I mean, I've been there, done that. A lot of the relationship stuff that you've talked about totally relate to it. I'm 32 years old, so very similar track. Um, a lot of it just really rings a bell. And one of the things that really helped me with that is saying yes to myself and no to social media, no to the other things, like saying yes to the things, just like you said in the very beginning, saying yes to your, to my priorities, to the things that set my soul on fire, to the, to the goals that I have saying yes to that stuff and saying no to everything else. And like, it is hard because yeah, there's posts on Facebook and, and TikTok and all that stuff and seeing those likes instantly, you feel just a little bit better for just a short amount of time. And then it crumbles away. Like I, and, and I, I love social media and I know Zach, you use it as a platform to do good. And I think when you use social media and like, this is for, you know, you guys on the rodeo kids team, um, I think using social media as your platform to help others and to explore and to share and stuff like that is really healthy. Um, to use social media for that instant gratification and for validation is where social media is detrimental and it is ruining our society. Um, so just learning how to utilize it and saying yes to the hard things, saying yes to the things that you know serve you, but it's easier to scroll, um, I think is really helpful in achieving that long-term gratification. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So if these guys want to reach out to you or learn more about what you've got going on, if they have questions for you, how can they do that? And share a little bit more about your unbroken thing as well. Your um, yeah. So you guys can go to, uh, it's the unbroken.com. So it's T H E U N B R O K N.com. And so that's my website with all my blogs on it. Um, I do have some t-shirts and hoodies and stuff that I got to get posted on the website. That's kind of like a lifestyle brand that I'm uh, doing with the blog. Um, so if you guys want, you can go check that out. And, and then if you guys want to talk about any of the stuff that's on there or you have any questions, or even if you guys just need to talk to somebody, um, I'm a really good listener you guys want somebody to just, you just need an ear or whatever, um, you can reach out to me. I got to look up my Instagram handle because I don't even remember it. Um, Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S 8-9. You guys can reach me there or um, – Facebook as well under Zach Rhodes. You can shoot me a message. And like I said, I'm, I love helping people. So if you have any questions or if you want to read through some of that stuff, 
and you have questions about it, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. So. Yeah. And if you've read some of this stuff and you're like, man, that really resonated, like let him know that too, because feedback's really powerful. And when we know that we're on the right track and that we're helping people, it inspires you to keep doing that. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. A lot of the stuff you said is just so powerful. And um, I think it's really important for us to have these conversations and be vulnerable and share so that we can all continue to grow and support one another. And, and like you said, let everybody know they're not alone in their struggles. And hopefully after this, we can all go unpack our bags a little bit. There you go. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. guys so much for tuning into this week's rodeo kids podcast we hope that it sets your soul on fire that it allows you to feel a little bit freer and to love yourself a little bit more so again thank you to zach for joining us and don't forget to give him a follow and follow the podcast we would like to invite you to join us this year in las vegas at the vegas toughest event it is held at the world market centers the expo there and we are just so excited. We're going to have an awesome booth there. We are partnering with some great people within the industry to have goatee goat tying ground matches where we will be able to give away some scholarships and prizes and some really cool stuff. And we're going to have roping dummies and all kinds of cool things, some stick horse races for the younger kids. It's just going to be a fantastic opportunity. You'll get to meet our Rodeo Kids ambassador team and get to know them, not to mention watch some awesome youth competition while you're there. This is a family-friendly area where you're going to get to learn and grow and share and have a little bit of fun while you are in Las Vegas. Again, that's the Vegas toughest event at the Expo at the World Market Centers in Las Vegas, Nevada during the NFR this year. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great day. Good luck, safe travels, and God bless while you're chasing those gold buckle dreams.